Well, it's a fact of life that siblings squabble. Look at Liam and Noel or Kane and Dable. Well, we ain't got a bandana, don't wanna kill you. But we'll sit and chat and argue about cinema reviews. Who is right? Is it me or him? Well, you were always mother's favourite. Are you still singing that hymn? Prepare for a battering, it's time for the squabblings. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to <laughs> Flying Dutchman Cruises with your Midnight Calypso host. This is the Midnight Hour with your man David Jones. Bunga, 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 bunga. Up next are sounds of the Spanish main. How about a bossa nova for you? Bunga, bunga. <laughs> His name was Bootstrap. Bootstrap <laughs> Viltarna. <laughs> With seaweed in his hair. How have you been, dear brother? You know, I'm okay. I'm all the better for watching this film, I think. Yes, it is the last instalment in the original Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride, this has. It's been an enjoyable experience. It, cer- it certainly has, yes. I mean, we'll just have to forget about the other two. They We're just going to forget them. In my mind, they do not exist. I refuse to acknowledge them like my bastard children. Yeah, yeah, they don't exist. <laughs> Like Boris Johnson's other wives. Oh, yeah. I mean, Boris, you know, thank God for Putin and his invasion. Have you noticed how party gates just sort of gone out the window? It's funny that, isn't it? It's exited stage left. (laughs) It's done a shuffle off stage. It's funny, isn't it? I always thought this when COVID came along, but it's it's, it's interesting how certain issues get pushed to the the, the back of the world stage. Because I remember thinking when when the pandemic hit, do you know what I miss? I miss Brexit. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I miss the jovial days when we were just talking about non-life-threatening stuff yeah i know know. a a world in which our biggest issue was uh was um trump being voted into power and the uh the soft or hard irish border yeah (laughs) oh simpler times unlike this film this film gets rather complex i think Rather, yeah, rather complex, rather quickly. And you know, considering that this was meant to be a, a film franchise primarily aimed at children, it, it does get very complicated within about, uh, within about 40 or so minutes. Very dark as well, I thought. Yes, it's, it's, it's got a weird atmosphere to it, doesn't it? Yeah, because we, we start the film in what looks like colonial Singapore. And it's very, how would I say... I think it kind of looks Tim Burton-esque. I mean, if you were to choose the the, the, the colour palette that represents film number one, you go for like an aquamarine, a bright gold sand, clear blue sky, very bright, very Disney, yes. very child-friendly. The colour palette for this film are dark greys and browns. Yeah, it suddenly just became a bit more sinister, didn't it? Do you know what it got? It got Harry Potteritis, I call it. Yeah. Uh, meaning the film started off very light, very whimsical, colour palettes would have been warms and oranges and things like that and then towards the end of the films they kind of almost got a bit too clever and adult for their own good and uh yeah <laughs> the yeah. colour palette was taken straight out of um yeah a, 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 a Wachowski brothers film <laughs> well it's almost like they're growing up into their grunge phase like the yes, like the audience yes, yes, are growing yes. up 
Because kids like bright colours and stuff, don't I su- they? I suppose in a lot of ways, that is that is what happened to the audience of these films. The first film came out when I was very much in primary school. And remember this last film coming out when I was a good way into secondary school. Really? Yeah. So I think I can't even remember now. No, I mean I definitely remember going to see this second the second film uh when I was in about I think about year 9ish. So this okay. follow-up film I think came out year 10 for me or you know something along those lines. So I think yeah, very much the audience matured with this film franchise. And it's still going. And it is still the going. The franchise is still going. It refuses to die. Albeit without Johnny Depp. No, uh, I, but I think Johnny Depp lost the, the, the will to participate a long, long time ago. And I think the days in which he would ad-lib and would improvise uh, were, were well behind him. And in these most recent films, there's stories of him having his lines fed to him through an earpiece. And I think all of the joy of that character has pretty much left him now. That's kind of sad, isn't it, when you think about it? Because like, on the one hand, I was like, I was thinking it would be great to have Johnny Depp there, regardless of the Amber Heard thing. But even if you put that aside, for artistic integrity, if you can't capture the magic in a bottle, so to speak, then you might as well call it a day. Do you know what? Pirates of the Caribbean 5 is Johnny Depp's Footloose the musical. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End is a 2007 American epic fantasy swashbuckling film directed by Gore Verbinski, the third instalment of the Pirates of the Caribbean film series. Sequel to Dead Man's Chest, it follows Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan, Hector Barbosa. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. Um, did you mention to me whilst we were watching this film that they had not up until this film, disclosed what Barbosa's first name is. Yeah, well, it, it obviously wasn't relevant to the story. I think it was more that they hadn't thought of what his name was. And before this, the fans were asking, what is the character's is name? name? We want to know for all the other... For all the fanfics we're yeah, writing. Yeah, for all the fanfics and the stupid <laughs> fan shit that happens, like the comic books and all the merchandising and stuff. And they're like, we don't know. And we don't care either. But... <laughs> We don't care. We don't, we don't give a shit, which is why no one addressed it until Johnny Depp in a in a on in in one of the scenes of the movie where they greet each other on the shores of um, the locker, Davy Jones's locker. He addresses him ah, as Hector. Hector. Ah, Hector. I think. And, and from that moment on, it is canon. Tr- it is canon. Hector. It says. It says th- in the credits, Hector Barbarossa. A, I think it was basically a joke that was written into the script because in the commentary, in in the actor's commentary of film two, yeah. somebody said as a joke, "Oh, what is Barbosa's second uh, first name?" And Depp said. Hector, really, just as a joke. So uh, they yes. just wrote it into the script. I see. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's just it's just there to uh, as an Easter egg there. to piss everyone off. 
when all the fans were just going, please, we want to know what his name is, please. <laughs> so the film follows Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan, Hector Barbosa, and the crew of the Black Pearl as they seek to rescue Captain Jack Sparrow from Davy Jones's aforementioned locker. They then prepare to fight the East India Trading Company led by Cutler Beckett, who controls Davy Jones and now plans to extinguish piracy forever. It was the highest grossing film of 2007, Tom. Makes sense. Bringing in over $960 million at the box office. It was nominated at the Academy Awards for Best Makeup and Best best Visual Effects. I have it on good authority, I seem to remember reading, that at the time, this was the most expensive film ever made. Yes, I think I heard this as well. It, It certainly feels like an expensive film. It looks it. It looks it. Every shot is sort of either amazing sets or is obviously just adorned lovingly with CGI from head to toe. Everything is CGI. I think Disney do this in uh, with a franchise that has sort of taken them by surprise. By the time they get to film free, they are so uh, keen to just throw money at it that they almost spoil it in a way. Well, I don't. I think. Actually, looking at it, the CGI dates quite well because film number one, as we discussed previously, when you see some of the CGI on, say, the skeletons, Mm -hmm. it does just look like... Looks a little bit aged now, yeah. Number one looks like an expensive video game cutscene, you know, like film (laughs) cuts, you know, dramatic cutscene. And then number two got slightly better. Film number two, they had a little bit of pocket money to channel into the Kraken and a few other things, yeah. And now it's, the CGI is just everywhere. Shut up and take my money. Yeah. (laughs) Have another 20 million. (laughs) I think this is one of the first films I remember where in the modern era, almost everything is CGI. There's very few sets in it, I think. Yes, I think they did. I think they actually did end up filming very little of it um, on on set and in uh, in the Caribbean. Even uh, most of the most of the scenes filmed on the ships have been done in a studio. Yes, and of course, by the time you get the, to the finale of the film, you you know it, it's just CGI wall to wall, really, isn't it? And some poor intern is just chucking buckets of water yeah. over Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley. Yeah, they're just making it rain. Well, at least this time they can be in a place, presumably on a sound stage somewhere in Los Angeles or wherever they are. You know, and at least it might be warm inside their film unit <laughs> yes, whilst indeed, whilst they're yes. getting hurtled with rain this time. Shall we launch into our notes? Absolutely. So one of the first things that uh, really struck me about this film is just how much darker and grungier than it, that it is than the other two. Maybe making the sincerity of the tone that much darker it ups the stakes i think and they're trying to up the stakes for a big finish aren't they they are um, it's but like doing th- the it's like a gymnast you do the trip you do the triple twist big finish you know yeah, to but, land it but i also feel that they went a little bit too hard with how just how heavily they tried to hammer in you know, uh, you know these people are evil and must be stopped or the situation is bad now we need our heroes to come and rescue everything and or yeah i mean the, the the beginning scene the scene of the the mass hangings for example <laughs> um there's a, a can I can't even 
imagine I can't even conceive of a Disney film nowadays that would begin with a shot of a child being too short for the noose yeah. <laughs> and then the execution. Will he escape the execution? No, no. here comes a box. Yeah, yeah. Here comes the box for him. When Ch- you wish upon a star. Child hanging. <laughs> when you wish upon a star, your neck hangs wherever you are. Yeah, and then of course there's You will not be dropping far. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 hangings, there's prostitution, there's toe snapping in this. There's a lot yeah. of really graphic stuff, isn't there, actually, I th- in I this think, one. And, and overall, there was just more sort of dirt and grime. And, uh, you know, the, as we've mentioned before, the colour palette is just so much more uh, grungy, grimy, uh, really dark. But can I just say, I really liked it. I really liked Did the colour palette. See, I didn't. I, I, I thought it it wanted to be other films of the time uh, around uh, you know, that were popular around 2007. And that's just not the franchise they started off with. I feel like they sort of lost sight of, the, of what the original series was, which was a good-hearted family romp. Well, the colour palette in the cinematography for the first one, I think, as we mentioned, much lighter... But I think that is aimed at basically because it's a kid's film. Kids need that almost subconscious uh, assurance in the lightheartedness and the happiness of a bright colour palette almost to make them deal with the the somewhat frightening nature. But isn't it sort of filmmaking at media school sort of thing? Like, I'm going to have everything dark and grim because everything is grim. And, oh, look, I'm going to contrast it with this incredibly light and overwashed bright locker to show that this is weird and strange. Yeah, but I I liked that. And and I I I think a lot of the best films actually... They know when to use colour sparingly, like in the locker scene. And then they know, say, during a really busy set, like, say, if it's Singapore or wherever it is where there's lots of things going on, to use a really oversaturated set or lots of different colours to bring out the really the busyness in the set around you. Yeah, the Singapore set I was actually uh, particularly impressed by and... I I I liked the whole bathhouse scene that kicks the film off because I thought that was so atmospheric that was so <laughs> I just thought laden it was big- with tension. But it's like I say, this this the kind of needless grimness that p- presided over this film, like that fat guy in the bathtub that's got barnacles <laughs> growing over him that's yeah. just never mentioned again. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't need Charlie. It's art. Art doesn't need to be explained to you. You know, they don't need to explain their intent it's like to just, you. Just just toke curlingly horrible cringy stuff yeah this one had a lot of adult themes in it i guess because yeah what did we mention at the start there's the hangings the hanging of the the child the the prostitution prostitution, the weird perving on elizabeth yeah that happens in that scene the upskirting snapping of toes snapping a toe the easily glossed over attempted rape when yes yeah the the, the sal feng attempted rape when he on just Elizabeth. Tr- yeah when he first forces himself yeah. on her i will take your fury i it's will like, take your fury oh, oh um i don't think so perhaps um not maybe not, not sal feng yeah i'm <laughs> yeah. okay i'm okay and then actually the, the, the half rotting fetid corpse of the kraken on the shores of the yeah of, of, yeah. of the island lots of yeah, yeah. just rotting flesh 
motifs yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, yeah. Oh, but some elements of that that first scene I really enjoyed. Like I liked this idea of this like clean but also at the same time very dirty bath water. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, you just I I I think you, you could, could get typhus from that water. Do you know? Do you know when you can like taste a scene <laughs> yeah and you can almost kind of feel that sensation in the back of your throat yes, as you're yeah. watching that like you know it's gonna absolutely stink of body odor in there yeah I, and i bet it's got a salty must in the air because yeah. it's like all of their sweat yeah lots of incense as well to sort of cover up that smell as well as what i'm imagining yeah yeah and steam lots of steam um, we had the introduction of quite a few other characters in that opening scene as well, like Sao Feng, played by Chow Yun-Fat, and who I thought was... Well, he's a very famous Asian actor. Is he? Yeah, he's uh, been in quite a lot of martial arts-based movies, and uh, I went through a bit of a phase in university of watching a lot of his uh, martial arts movies. Oh, these are the ones where people fly a lot? Y- yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah, like cr- <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, sort yeah. of aerial feats of yeah, daring do. They're on the wires and stuff, doing the magnificent kicks yeah. and stuff. He-, he works very closely with uh, Jackie Chan, who I've got to say, anyone who hates on Jackie Chan and says he's a terrible... They- Black, so they like, well, can yes, get out. Of course he is when he speaks in English. He might not be that he, bad in these well, no, original Chinese films. When, when you see him in Chinese medium films, he's really good. Of course he's shit when he has to speak in English. He doesn't understand what he's saying, the poor man. Yeah, but the fact is, I don't actually think he's all that bad in English. I just feel like it's maybe a little bit his diction. His delivery is still okay. Like the emotion in the delivery is still fine. I don't know. I feel like even some of his delivery is off sometimes. I think he's just got a very lovable face, isn't it? Yeah, and he and he does a good fight scene. He and does... he does a good fight scene <laughs> with a foldable chair and a baby. Yeah, God, God knows <laughs> Jackie Chan can uh, make a fight scene out of whatever's around him. A Yankee candle and, uh, you know, I don't know. A Yankee candle and a plastic iron. <laughs> yeah, and a pine cone. I reckon. Do, do you know how like you have whose line is it anyway, and like and sort of improv shows? Do you reckon if you handed Jackie Chan just two random everyday objects, he could choreograph a fight scene out of it? I have faith. I have faith in the Chan. <laughs> <laughs> I do. He's who's, getting on a bit now. You know, punches it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, cause I think Jackie Chan. How old do we think Jackie Chan is now? He's got to be in his mid sixties. Oh, he must be. Shall I consult uh, our Lord and Savior Siri? He is sixty-seven. No way. Jackie Chan is sixty-seven. Yeah, I don't know if he's still ambassador to Hong Kong because he was after the some of the career stuff. He was still ambassador to Hong Kong. I think when it was kind of um, still with good relations with the British before it, yeah. it sort of got squeezed by China. But. Yeah, about that. No, yeah. I don't think he is anymore. Uh, but Chow Yun-Fat is a, a very good actor. He's He's been in several incredible um, martial arts films. And I was, I was, uh, this might have been the first film that I saw him in. Was he in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Uh, yes, he was. Yes, he was. He was uh, Li Mu Bai in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Right. 
And I've got to say, actually, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon has got to be probably one of my top films of all time. Well, I, I haven't delved enough into the world of no, and martial we, arts and we films don't, to know. We don't tend to in, in the Western world. And I only really got into it very kind of late on in university. And that's when I also kind of um, discovered a lot of Hayao Miyazaki animation and um other chinese and uh japanese and uh korean filmmakers and i just feel that that whole region of hollywood and the film industry is so slept on and a huge great star like uh chai and fat who would be uh probably one of the biggest celebrities in asia He's basically an, an unknown to us. But I suppose it's a cultural divide with the language. Maybe if like um, all I, the anime, if they English dub them, it might <sighs> they might get more of an audience. Now here. there is always uh, there's always a huge great fight amongst um, weebs and nerds on, oh, yeah. online about whether you go for a dub or a sub. Uh, with your translation from Asian media, uh, a lot of the a lot of the absolute nerds will say a lot of the nuance and delivery is lost when you just dub it straight into English. I reckon that's probably true because you have to. I think they're trying to find a translation that fits into roughly the same mouth movements and cadence and and yeah, especially amongst animation, you've got to have. Certain words have the emphasis of the big movement and the big noise and exactly. the big sort of language. Yeah, I mean, yeah and some, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking, for example, things like Howl's Moving Castle, the English dub of Howl's Moving Castle. It's a bit stunted, isn't it, it's at times? very stunted, yeah. Um, but I think... Um, Chow Yun Fat as as um uh, Sao Feng, I think his English delivery is actually very good. Yes. And uh he he in the space of only a few sentences just exudes this presence as this as of yet untouched upon pirate lord. He's certainly not Jackie Chan. He's he's his English is certainly much yes, better, better than say than, Jackie Chan he's level. Better than Chan, yeah. Because you can tell Jackie Chan just sometimes doesn't know what the words are he's saying. Yeah, he certainly has ju- just um, a Mandarin to English translator to get him to parrot that j- just says the line to him and he just <laughs> parrots it <laughs> as soon as they say action. Yeah. But to be honest, why Singapore? That's what I want to know about this film. It's called Pirates of the Caribbean. Singapore's fucking ages away. Singapore was a British colony at that point in time. Yeah, cool. So why are we in Singapore? Maybe it's just an inside <laughs> joke that he was talking about Singapore in some of the it, other films. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Clearly like, you've never been to Singapore. Clearly you've never been to Singapore. Yeah, that was basically it, wasn't it? It was just to address that little in-joke. I'm, I'm going to go out on a, a limb here. Bit weak yeah. for a film called Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm a, I, th- I think, anyway. To start off not in the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess it's like we were discussing the island scene on the film before. Why is it there? Why is it? Why is Sao Feng one of the, the nine pirate lords? And why? Why? Why is it there? <sighs> reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> reasons. Yeah, reasons. I did like. I think they could, they could have had essentially a how I would have done it. I would have had a bit of a, sort of a training montage for the vi- opening scene oh, of no. them going to visit all of the nine pirate lords oh, all across God. the world. Maybe well, that would have been funny. Do you not think that would have taken far too long? Oh yeah, though? absolutely. I mean, 
<laughs> but as as a plot device, I actually really really liked that with the uh, with the with with actually who the pirate lords were. Uh, one of my favourite scenes in the whole movie is when those pi- the pirate lords get together in ab- shipwreck cold. It is absolutely one of the best scenes of the movie, and Keith Richards turns up. Oh my god, <laughs> code is the law now. I remember sitting in the cinema when when we went to see that film and there were audible <laughs> gasps when Keith Richards was revealed to be Jack Sparrow's father. And oh my God, what a stroke of genius. It's, it's just so spot on. <laughs> I remember just crying with laughter, just thinking it's so... It makes it's so, so sm- much sense. Yeah, it's yeah. just so spot on. <laughs> Coat, especially because he always like Jack Sparrow acts like he's sort of half drunk all of the time. Yes, well, we mentioned this in our first podcast, didn't we? That 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 Depp chose to interpret Pirate to be more like Rockstar than to be more like Long John Silver. So that I think that's been the secret to the success. Yes, absolutely. But of course, those are the films that came along. The 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 films of which we do not speak. Um, also tried to do that as well, and I think they've got Paul McCartney in one of them. Have they? As a pirate and a couple of other kind. Con- there's a couple of other music oh, they, cameos. They do, don't they? There. He he appears in a scene in in a uh, in a jail. Paul McCartney. Yeah. And I was like, at this point, it's just it's just whose it, agent can get who into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think the genius of casting Keith Richards is he is a motherfucker that has given absolutely zero shits his entire life. Exactly. You know, he is just the embodiment of cool. Paul McCartney is a fantastic musician, but he is not cool is he <laughs> well he he is paul He's, mccartney is one of the coolest motherfuckers well, ever no, but on, but it's on. in a different way paul, yes. paul mccartney exudes a more clean brand of rock and roll i think yeah paul mccartney is cool in the way that musicians respect other successful musicians well he, yeah but he's but he is basically he is a swat isn't he <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he was a hard worker. He is absolutely yes, the SWAT of the music yes, world. Yes, he is cool, but he wasn't cool in the same way that John Lennon was cool, was no, he? <laughs> you might have got away with having John Lennon in there. but Yeah, John Lennon would have been a good substitute for that I role. feel like neither of them... They well, for one thing, they checked out of their alcoholism and drug addiction <laughs> far too early, I think, yes. to be, to be yes. worn down enough. Yeah, to get, and to be weather-beaten looking yeah, enough. To be and, worn yeah. down enough to quite portray the kind of um, pirate lifestyle and excesses and, and, you know, weather and all of that stuff that's acted on the pirates to make them like that in, in the way... Well, Keith Richards, for one, you can just tell that that man is, for some reason, his DNA, he's bulletproof. Yeah. You mentioned to me that he's getting sober yeah, um, I think this was this was in Rolling Stone. I think I read this in Rolling Stone magazine a few weeks ago. And I was Keith... actually perplexed. I was like, "What is Keith's not already sober?" No, I don't think he is. But I think he's decided is to quit drinking. I think that's what he's decided. Yeah. to quit. I think he's been free of uh, drugs for a long time. But he wants to quit the drink. But he as wants well. to quit the drink. Yeah. Wow. And people online have basically kind of flooded around him to give him moral support because they think well the you know the cumulative hangover that man will get <laughs> after 60 plus years of hard booze yeah it's gonna be like it's gonna be like it's gonna for, kill on, him it's gonna be like on father ted where the, with, <laughs> the withdrawal will kill him 
<laughs> What's that priest called on Father Ted? The one that just goes, drink, feck, arse. I don't know. I don't. The one that always sits in the Father chair, Jack. isn't Father it? Father Jack. Yeah. Is when he suddenly gets off the booze and suddenly he, you can just uh, magically understand him and he can formulate words. And yeah, uh, it's going to be like, like Keith Richards in the next interview, isn't it? Pick up the guitar. He'll actually be like, well, you know, I went to Oxford. Yeah, he just suddenly comes out with a Cambridge accent. You know, I have. I've been delving into Tolstoy recently. No, I've been I've been writing some darker stuff for the ukulele. It's going really well. I've been working with some of the Mahavishnu Orchestra. It's been fantastic. You know who I'm going to go? I'm going out on the next cruise with Davy Jones. We're going to do a wonderful set piece together. It's brilliant. Absolutely, come down. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I actually think, though, that... The sinking stones we're going to yeah. call ourselves. <laughs> the water stones. I, I actually think if Keith gives up the drink, he'll just die. He'll just wither and die. I reckon over all those years, maybe because of his genetics, it hasn't affected him in the same way it, it, it has for everyone else. But I reckon he's just like pickled himself, <laughs> and that's that's the secret In to the his alcohol. Yeah, that's the secret to his longevity. Oh he's God. pickled himself. If they took out his liver, it would be a pickled liver. A pickled. <laughs> he doesn't sweat. He sweats vodka. Yeah, he doesn't sweat. <laughs> yeah, what he's got like a fat. Like he just. Yeah, sm- uh, I had too much adrenaline once at li- live at Wembley, and now I don't. And sweat. now I don't sweat. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't actually smell. He but he kind of smells like gherkins yeah yeah he smells he smells like pickle he smells like pickled flesh no but his his cameo as jack's father was just so so enjoyable and, it, and, and he's even not a now, bad actor i didn't think no well i mean I, I mean was there really much for him to act i mean all he had to do was just turn up and look grumpy hey, and hey, say hey, sea hey. turtles mate hey, hey, hey. i mean it was one note right it was one note of menacing kind of pirate lord or you know keeper of the book but I've seen people who are actually professional actors yeah. be, uh, be more one note than that. For example, Mickey Rourke, The Rock, or any of these like hard man actors where all the roles they play are kind of like... Basically just themselves. Yeah, tortured hard man with maybe a bit of soul. Jason Statham, you know, all of these guys. Oh, somebody, somebody will really be annoyed with me at this. Ryan Reynolds does this a lot. <sighs> Ryan Reynolds is one of those where... I can't figure out if he's funny or not. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. definitely funny in Deadpool. I feel like Deadpool was the ron- the one role he was born to play. But apart from that, I always have a hard time figuring out if he's funny. Yeah, he's he's almost sort of internet funny. I feel like, you know how you get a lot of Jimmy Fallon sketches and Saturday Night Live things? I almost feel like his funniness has just been written for him. I don't know, but I, I think he ad-libs a lot of his stuff. I think he's quite good at ad-libbing and comedy and stuff like that. It's almost like he should be a comedian, but he's not. He's too handsome for it, which is yes. why he's an A-list star. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just a funny man who also happens to be good looking. So yeah. he's, been, he's just been given a lot of rom-com roles because yeah. of it. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of the, the other films that he's in, like Van Wilder and stuff. Some of the stupid sort of noughties comedies are, are fairly amusing. But then again, he is just sort of doing Ryan Reynolds again, sort of like a... Oh, no, but hang on. I think there's one. He's with Sandra Bullock, and it's okay. 
you're talking to the wrong person. I've never been into my rom-coms. No, I know. Yeah. Oh, Which I, mean, I know is sacrilegious for a girl to say because all girls love rom-coms all, apparently. Yeah. If you don't sit eating a rom-com, eating a whole tub of ice cream, are you even? Have you even have got you a even had, <laughs> Have you even had a breakup if you've yeah. not sat, if you've not, if you've not inhaled a Ben and Jerry's in front of Bridget oh, Jones? Oh God, I find a man oh, like that. Oh my God. Someday. You, I hate them. I hate them. I really don't like rom-coms well i think i'm the just only lazy, woman in the world aren't they? that does yes I it's like yeah. will they won't they yes they will yeah they End probably of story. fucking will yeah <laughs> and you'll finish the movie even more upset because our couple have actually got together and, that, never- and you're still alone yeah and you're still yeah and, and this is the thing i could never understand why people would say to me oh just get your girlfriends over and watch bridget jones at the end of bridget jones she she gets with colin firth that's that's what always happens yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think they are so contrived. I think they are so lazy. And I think that I, I do you know what? Do you know what? I'm going to put it out to you, ladies and gentlemen, write in with what you think is a genuinely good rom-com. And do you know what? If anyone wants to recommend one to me, I will respond an, with an essay on why you are actually mistaken. The best one I've seen is like a two part rom-com where it's got Steve Carell in it and Ryan Gosling. And it's only good because half of the story is about uh, Steve Carell dealing with the breakup of his divorce. And it's about Ryan Gosling teaching him how to get women because they sort of meet randomly in a bar and Ryan Gosling teaches him how to pick up girls. But then Ryan Gosling falls in love with Steve Carell's daughter, who is Emma Stone. And that's the best one I've seen, I think, that wasn't that lazy. What was it called? I can't remember, oh, but, it's, brilliant. but it's got uh, those three in it. Really left a mark then on you. No, exactly. I know. That, that's the thing. If you can't even remember the name of the film you've seen, you can't say it was a good film, can I, you? I think I basically have one palatable rom-com that I quite like, and I'm not even sure I would describe it as a rom-com. And what is it? Dirty Dancing. Um, no, I wouldn't. I'd say it's more of a drama than a comedy. Yeah, I would. I would, or, or like a coming of age story mm. almost. And I can just about stomach that one because I like watching the skill of the dancing. Mm. It's and only Patrick yeah. Swayze is also quite fit. Yeah, Patrick Swayze is easy on the eyes as well, isn't he? And I also like to watch it and basking in the knowledge that Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey absolutely fucking despised each other. Yes, yeah, I love that. <laughs> you can sort of sometimes see it just sizzling to the surface a little bit. They just don't but to actually be honest, like though, being I've heard Patrick other. Swayze was really nice, so I bet it's all on her. I've heard he was quite demanding, and because he was a very professional dancer who was at the top of his game, he didn't he didn't quite have the patience to keep up with her amateurishness. But the fact is, when you're at that stage, you're like, come on, guys, we're making what's probably going to be a box office smash here. We are working in Hollywood. We are A-listers. Why haven't we got the A-game? Yes, but I feel there's being like, you know, a professional that sticks to your standards, and there's also just being a bit of a dick, isn't there? Yes. Well, maybe what they should have done is put her through a... A six-week six training college. camp or something, you know, like they do for all these other dance films or singing films now where, they, where they're not really singers or, or dancers. They're just actors. So speaking of actresses that aren't really singers or dancers, yeah. 
I quite liked um, I quite liked Kira Knightley in this film. She was my worst in film for second film. Uh, I think she might be my best for this one. She goes strong female lead, doesn't she? Strong female lead well, all over I was actually us. quite pleased. I was like, oh, Elizabeth, nice of you to finally become interesting in this film, you know? I know. I keep running with this thread that over the three films, it should have kind of just been about her and her evolution as a... A, um, I think you're right. The main there. character. I, th- I think part- the parts of the Caribbean films are primarily Elizabeth's story, aren't they? Really? They're, well, they're meant to be, but to be honest, Johnny Depp is the face of the franchise, isn't he? And oh, it's yeah. been stolen away. I think her character knife, uh, character knife, character arc, it was apparent from the very beginning of this film that she has now kind of become that which she always wanted to be. She always was attracted to that life of the pirate. And that that living on the edge lifestyle, even though she was the spoilt rich little governor's daughter. And straight from the offset of this film, we had her packing heat, you know, her we had her <laughs> with knives to people's throats. We had her looking considerably tanner than she has been in, in the in the last few films. That's another one to add to the weirdly perverse jokes and weird stuff in the film is the is the massive blunderbuss gun shoved up her ass. <laughs> when she has to take that out yeah and it sort of implied that she's keeping it like in a vag inside her or like yeah. in her ash like she's gonna smuggle it in <laughs> like she's in Shawshank I like, I like the little look Barbosa does he's like I don't want to look but I've got I've got to try and see where she's hiding it somewhere so like where was where, it where were you yeah. keeping that I'm just sort of worried about this I now know. Um, yeah I don't really want to touch it. Yes. No, I feel like from the start start of this film, we suddenly got a lot more of Elizabeth's character arc. And I was very pleased, actually, because I was watching Elizabeth throughout a lot of this film thinking, could film one Elizabeth have done that? No. No, she couldn't. Does it feel natural that she is now at this place? Yes. And I think that is a very, her story overall is actually a very beautifully written arc. It was quite slow to get going in film two, but by film three, I thought, ah, something interesting has happened now with this character and I'm enjoying watching it. I think it was still a little bit of a jump because admittedly in the second one, she has a good sword fight here or there, but then right at the end, she's still kind of a bit of a damsel, I think. And then she just turns up in the third one and she's she's a badass pirate. And now she's the pirate king. I suppose that's a good evolution, isn't it, actually? I did like that evolution, that it was kind of... From governor's daughter from to left, pirate king. From left of field, it came that Jack Sparrow just voted for her and suddenly she was the pirate king. Yeah. Now, that was cool as well. That was a cool revelation. When yes. Oh, my gosh. Jack Sparrow has done something that's not for himself. He's got a heart. He's, he's actually put the greater good. <laughs> And I th- I actually thought the way they represented the Pirate Council was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Sisumbaji. Sisumbaji. Vote for Sisumbaji. Yeah. Oh, Charlotte. Jean-Claude, get- the penniless Frenchman. Vote <laughs> for Jean-Claude, the penniless Frenchman. Oh, Charlotte, get get this. Can Can you guess if this is a biased blog I read? They were complaining about nationality washing in the uh, amongst the cast, right? Okay. Right. And uh, they're talking about how certain nationalities aren't other nationalities, blah, 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 how it's not representative. Mistress mm-hmm. Chang, what yeah. would you say Mistress Chang is? Chinese? Mm, yeah. Oh, but get this, the actress is Japanese. Oh, right. Okay. So that upset a lot of people. Wasn't quite close enough. 
they? But get this, Charlotte. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. this, but they are actors. <laughs> and, and, and actors often yeah. pretend to actors. be actors often pretend to be people they that are they not are. that they are not <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is they made a big deal out of it but nowhere in the film they? did it say mistress chang is from china no but chang is typically a chinese surname i don't know if you wanted to get around it you could make but up I a know, stupid backstory I know what you mean there. i mean there are people out there that are that pernickety yeah, yeah. Which, which is, which is like, for example, I'm not offended that ja- that Johnny Depp, being another an American, Caucasian, another Caucasian, he's like, oh well, he's not British. Yeah. Listen to that. Listen to that. Albeit fairly good, fake British accent he's doing. It offends me. <laughs> I know. It offends me, sir, and I won't have it. I challenge you to a duel. Oh, that that that's a accent that you've just used there. You know who that has brought screaming to the forefront of my mind? Yeah. Oh, boy, Norrie Bob. Oh, oh, boy, Norrington. Oh, boy, Norrington. Oh, I, need, I, I need a hero. Order. Order. <laughs> I bring to order the third gathering of the James Norrington Appreciation order, Society. Order. Order. In session. We are in session I now. Think we need to explain this to some of our uh, overseas listeners and who don't understand what the fuck we're doing and why we've just had basically a crowing of order. To yeah. <laughs> Order, order. So Go a, on, Charlotte. Uh, explain so, it. So, so is it? Was it? What was he called? The leader of the house or something? I can't remember now. He's called John Burkow, and but he yeah, was the speaker was of the, the house in the, the British house. Parliament. The speaker of the house. I couldn't remember what it was. The leader of the house, speaker of the house. Yeah. yeah. So John Burkow was a uh, yeah speaker of the house for for, for many many years. And order, order. Yeah. So <laughs> as, as you've probably seen from clips of the the British Parliament, our ministers basically like to get rowdy and insult each. Each other. The two main parties sit on other. benches on opposing sides <laughs> of the room and they shout at each other when they don't like things. Yeah. And it's the and ad- adjacent to them at the other end of the room. Yeah. If you can imagine two opposing sides and sat in the middle of them basically adjacent is a man on basically a throne who's <laughs> responsible for keeping order in the room. Yeah. And if somebody's being too rowdy, then the speaker can chuck them out or uh, he basically stops them from uh, launching across the room at each other's throats essentially. Yes. And that's who John Burkow was. He was the he was the person who um who who basically babysat our ministers <laughs> and he had the most beautiful cadence and way of speaking. <laughs> Uh, that was just so it was so lyrical and musical and yeah i reckon he i reckon he practiced them in the mirror oh he must have done he must have (laughs) he must have got up today and said how can i how can i say the word order in a way that i have not because he's all about the craft (laughs) he's method if he's if he's done order one way he'd consider that repeating himself he's not exploring the craft charlotte anymore (laughs) he's not he's not creating he's rehashing the old stuff apparently i've heard in the wake of the me too movie Apparently, John Burkow was the biggest bully in the House of Commons. Really? Yeah. A bully? Yeah. Make makes sense, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, ca- I can't say I'm surprised, <laughs> to be perfectly well, he, honest. Well, he's, he's all, almost not really being a politician, but part of the Houses of Parliament. It's almost like he's above the everyday petty stuff a, and yes. he just does what he wants because he's not really part of the same system. Yes, but for some for some reason, I, and I just don't know why, he's, he's just beloved of the nation yeah. just because he says the word order in a funny <laughs> way. 
And sometimes, have you noticed he has the quizzical one where he's like, he can't believe the audacity of the person in front. So the inflection goes up. It rises up. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. He's got a very similar uh, way of speaking, actually, to how Bill Nye says stuff sometimes. Yes. That almost sort of Shakespearean (laughs) delivery of trying to eke out every moment you're on stage before you've got to go off for another three acts almost. (laughs) I was a bit disappointed in this, I think, with what they did with Davy Jones. Yes, I feel that they made him a little bit more... uh, I think they basically just made him impotent in this film and they took away a lot of his power and a lot of his rage and a lot of his uh, motivation. Because uh, in... basically making him the lapdog of Cutler Beckett. Yes, because in in the uh, the second film, it's basically meant to be like he's the most powerful being in all the sea, and now he's just kind of not anymore. And now he's got a contract with a navy man. <laughs> yeah, now he is the lapdog of the East India Company, which is kind of like, oh, hang on, how did that happen? Why? I think I think the scene that really brought this screaming back to me is when we've got essentially a supernatural man with uh, a face. And a beard like an octopus. Yeah. Standing in a tea room with <laughs> Orlando Bloom and uh, and Cutler Beckett. And he's just stood in there uh, as if this is normal. <laughs> I do not care for some tea. <laughs> I will not be someone. And I'm thinking, mate, you are just, you're, 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 Stay here, for for, some tea. you're here for high tea now. Sit down, yeah. bitch. Do you want English breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> or, um, what, or type of, what type of scones are they? Raisined? Oh, I'm, I won't then. I won't. I, I don't will like... not touch your raisin <laughs> perfume. I, I don't like the raisined ones. <laughs> They're horrible little lumps of devilry. Take that infernal thing off my plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like Do you have any squid ink jam? <laughs> squid ink jam. That's I bet he has that. Repulsive. I bet they make that. Oh gosh, I think I remember having one of the most repulsive. It wasn't even repulsive because it was bad. It was when the last time I went to uh, Italy with uh, you and our father. We just got off the plane and for some reason I was still feeling really, really ill from being on, like, on the plane and yeah. travel sick. And we stopped at this little fish restaurant on the way to... Um, I remember the fish restaurant. Yeah. And I... Had like s- black squid ink penne or something. Yes. I, it was great. I, I basically, because it wasn't, wasn't in English at all, I ordered off the menu and I ended up getting like cuttlefish ink pasta. Yeah. And under normal circumstances, I would have thought, oh, that's nice. But just for some reason, it just was like repulsive to me and i just i just couldn't i just couldn't swallow it oh really yeah and then they come over how was everything how was the how was the meal it was lovely thank you very much bellissimo 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 and i remember several times having to kind of take myself off to the toilets of the of the restaurant to be violently sick and then coming out like nothing Oh no! And then having this just black of oh, torrent of stuff that the been poo just... must have been interesting after that because <laughs> you know how you get the beetroot poos where you think you're dying. 
<laughs> but oh, the, that's a fun game I like to play after I've had beetroot. But that's Hello a whole and welcome level. back to Am I Dying or is it the beetroot I had <laughs> But that's a, that's a whole nother level where not only, you've gone from thinking you're dying with a beetroot poo to thinking you've, you've got just, bowel cancer. Yeah, to, to you've just shat a lump of coal because it's, it's, it's jet black. Oh, look at that. It's actually jet motherfucking I black. I've, I think I've crapped dark matter. Yeah. Oh, but my dear old James, he, my dear old James Norrie Bobs. I think he'd lost it a bit by this one. Yeah, do you know what? He'd lost the charm. Clean shaven, smartly dressed James Norrington just just not scratch the filthy itch no that 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 down on his luck pirate james norrington did because you've got to love a bad boy haven't you you've got to love a bad boy and i feel like he actually learned some lessons from that fall from grace that just were completely turned back on yeah in in this film and i think we lost a lot of his character in this film basically because of cuts and rewrites and etc etc but again i was reading that actually in original drafts of the first uh, of the of the the, of this film um there was actually meant to be a a lot more of a formed relationship between norrington and davy jones yeah i'd seen that yes Mm, and they kind of form uh, a friendship of necessity because he becomes the commodore of one yes. of, his, of his ship and also of of the flying dutchman because there's meant to be a deleted scene where th- the three people jonathan price nori boy and Norrie davy Bob's. jones have a conversation together yeah because you know when elizabeth's father is sat in his little rowboat on his way to the land of the dead yeah that and he says i learned that you must stab the heart yeah and it's just kind of exposition. Yeah. Well, it's obviously referring to this scene where they all have a, a conversation with each other. Well, it's yeah. like, well, if I die, somebody has to take my place on the Dutchman. The uh... Dutchman must always have a captain. So there were a couple of deleted scenes like that. A scene like that needed to happen. Yeah. Especially for John, poor Jonathan Price's character. And that that's a very heartbreaking scene. Actually, he got I he think. got done dirty. I think he was yeah. one of the more unexplored characters because obviously, like, he's a man of power yeah. and repute. He's in- the governor of the island. An interesting character as well, because uh, he he is a father compelled to watch over and look after his daughter. And his daughter is repeatedly thrown into dangerous situations. And his motivations would actually be very interesting to explore. And, and uh, his struggles with trying to you know do the best for Elizabeth, uh, but also keep her safe and, and away from harm. He just turns up in that little boat. What I want to know in all that time is how did the governor not manage to get the king involved? But again, can you imagine if you are King George the Third? Uh, what we're we looking at at this point in yeah, time, something like about King fourth, George the yeah. First, I would say actually more about this point in time. Okay, and you get a letter from one of your governors out in Jamaica who says um, there's a giant fish man with a tentacle beard <laughs> who's um, abducted my son-in-law, and his 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 still beating heart is within a chest. You, if you were King George the First, you'd be thinking that your Jamaican governor had been smoking a little bit of the local grass wouldn't you (laughs) and there's probably also the barrier that you don't read english because you're from germany so it would also be extra difficult to understand that's a very niche george the first joke (laughs) that's fine so number one it would have to go through the extra layer of having your squire translate translate it to you you and be like that's squid man that's that's david jones that's david jones (laughs) 
we do not have David Jones in Germany. We are <laughs> landlocked <laughs> nation. <laughs> what, is, what is squid? We only have lake squid here. Can I put it into sausage? If not, I do not know what oh, it yeah, is. Yeah, oh, yeah, Squid, yeah. Sweden sausage, yeah. Oh, good Sweden sausage, yeah. <laughs> Sweden sausage. Sweden sausage. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But that, yes, I that was more thinking getting the king involved to say why are the, the East India Company are basically trying to run the island themselves. Yeah, wind the, the, wind the East India Company's neck in a little bit, or at least in, uh, assert more of the Royal Navy's dominance over the privatised army of the East India Company. Well, they did eventually get reined in by royal decree, didn't they? They got broken up. Yes, essentially they did, yes. It was a, the first ever version of what I guess would be described as the Monopolies Commission now. Yeah, uh, and the, the disillusion of the company. But that was mostly in response to um, their control of India. Their private control of India, yeah. yeah. Which wouldn't come for another... Going around shooting Maharajas and stuff at their whim. Yeah, do you know that that, that because of the the exploits of the East India Company in in, um, India, that's literally why we have the word loot in the English language. Is it? It's a Hindi word that means to pillage and to take everything from your enemy. Yeah. Oh. And that's literally why we have the word loot. Oh. <laughs> English language. Well, that's not good, is it? No, no, it's not. Uh, no, it's that, not. I mean, things like that are an indicator <laughs> of the dark colonial past. Yeah. There you yeah. go. That's a very real one there. You, I'll lighten the mood for you. Um, it's also from the Hindi language that we have the words pajama and bungalow. Oh, I, <laughs> there when, we go. See, when you grow, you don't really, unless somebody says to you, what the, do you think the origin of this word is? You don't really think about it too much. But when you say bungalow, or yeah. pajama. Yeah. Now that you say it, it's they like, oh, I can like, actually hear it. Being... They don't sound like Anglo words, do they? No, they no. don't. No. I mean, I, w- I actually might have thought pajamas was like um, Spanish or something. Pajam- yeah. Pajama. Bungalow. I might have thought maybe that was, I don't know, something like Slavic. Like bungalow. You could. <laughs> bunga, 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 bungalow, bunga, 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 bunga. We're still on Davy Jones on PO cruises. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's got to be one of the most enduring images you've ever given me. <laughs> Davy Jones <laughs> playing his uh, his synthesized piano. <laughs> I'm picturing him basically dressed like Liberace in yes. his like sparkly yeah. Yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah, and he's on a revolving <laughs> on a stage. stage. Yeah, he's yeah. on a ro- he comes out rotating stage wearing basically a, a lovely sequined blazer. <laughs> he looks like Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm here ten nights a week or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that little scene where Jonathan Price turns up dead in that that boat. Sad, wasn't it? That was very sad, actually. I suppose it, it, in one way it was more relieving not have to see a heartbreaking death scene. Yeah, for a character that we've we've uh, we, loved. We from actually the quite like. Yeah, because in fact, seeing him converse with the crew and then just sort of slowly drift away was a bit more kind of it mm. softened the blow I think you although didn't have to that, you didn't have to come to the realization really that he died in yeah, some way although that whole um sequence of fe- the the dead going to the next afterlife mm. you had the bodies in the water then you had the bodies in the boats yeah i mean it it's it, it kind of made this universe's afterlife feel quite complicated and i'm not quite sure how it really works because yeah i don't know if they thought it through very much it's just like those that die at sea doesn't sound like they go to heaven it just sounds like they go 
to the locker. To the locker. And Davy Jones is Davy Jones's duty is is meant to be ferrying those people to the locker. Yeah. But he's ignoring his duty and that's why he's gross and ugly and he's full of sea shit. Or is it that the locker isn't meant to exist? Maybe the locker is is the the, the sum of his neglect because maybe he's just meant to ferry them to the afterlife, but it's like some sort of purgatory because he's not doing his job. Yes, possibly. But those boats and those people seem to be finding their own merry way to the afterlife without him. I, I, don't, I guess. I didn't, yeah. I didn't really understand. Um, I'm not quite sure why there was a, that there was like a distinction between people who were just freely floating in the water and then apparently the business class where you could pay a bit more to have a lifeboat yeah. on, on your journey to the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Titanic, isn't it? When you have the, the third and fourth classes and they're just kind of like having a big old party but they're sleeping like five bunks to a room or whatever. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, we're business class. We get a tiny leaking rowboat see, to was, go to the afterlife. My, it was my birthday and I mentioned it to the check-in crew and they got <laughs> me a lifeboat <laughs> to the afterlife. <laughs> or in fact, he's pulling out the big guns, you know. He just has to mention the fact that he's got a ceremonial wig on. Oh, wow. And he's like, well, look at the man. He's important. Well, I can see you're a, a distinguished gentleman. Sir, and so we've, checked you you, we've checked you into rowboat class for the duration <laughs> of the journey. <laughs> me father often told me when I was just a girl pirate films are shite me girl they make your wheat tails curl but then old Captain Jack Walston with three films we adore but a pirate ain't a pirate ain't a pirate anymore they'll flog that dead horse they'll churn out the crap their standards and integrity will fall right on the map so we'll enjoy the first three films pretend there were no more but a pirate ain't a pirate ain't a pirate anymore Well, the colour palette's greyish and the themes are often gross What happened to the lush blue skies and Caribbean coast? Who wants to see a child hanging frostbite and the whores? All this in the mouse's name, that's what the PG's for They'll flog that dead horse, they'll churn out the crap Their standards and integrity will fall right off the map So we'll enjoy the first three films, pretend there were no more A pirate ain't a pirate ain't a pirate anymore Deserve better, I'll die upon this hill Your resolution seemed quite rushed If you want Liz or Will So get your tissues ready It'll make your poor mood tank Cause nice old governess one Probably got himself a shank They'll flog that dead horse They'll churn out the crap Their standards and integrity Will fall right off the map So we'll enjoy the first three films Pretend there were no more And a pirate ain't a pirate ain't a pirate anymore The mousy man, he cracks the whip to churn out two films more Without a wholesome trio, our attention's on the floor We like our fun-filled action, Rob, but what's CGI for? Distract us from the fact that Penny Cruz is such a bore They'll flog that dead horse, they'll churn out the crap Their standards and integrity will fall right off the map So we'll enjoy the first three films, pretend there were no more A pirate ain't a pirate ain't a pirate anymore 
trials and that's the end of that And thanks to Amber Heard, Johnny's career has just gone splat So we'll put on our courtroom clothes and make the lawyers go We'll pour ourselves a mega pint and watch the whole free show They'll flog that dead horse, they'll churn out the craft Their standards and integrity will fall right off the map So we'll enjoy the first three films, pretend there were no more And to pirate in, to pirate in, to pirate anymore I hope Norrington got his own rowboat. Ah, well, that's the thing. Technically, did he die at sea? Yeah, because he was on the boat. Well, I guess, t- I when, guess when so, but what, that's the other thing about this confusing little tangent. It's like, what constitutes dying at sea? Because he just kind of got stabbed on a boat. Is it literally does, drowning that means dying at sea then? Well, that's, in my mind, what it means. Because oh, I just... I, 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 In my mind, I'm like, only certain types of death really constitute dying at sea as a sailor. Well, like, by, like drowning. I mean, the, the official naval terminology, they described everyone as dying at sea, didn't they? Even if you had, like, I don't know, your leg blown off by a cannon and died, I don't know, a couple of weeks later from an infection, they'd say you died at sea. Yeah, dying... In a in a battle for the navy, that that constitutes dying at sea. But he doesn't really do that, does he? He's sort of gone AWOL at that point, and he just gets stabbed. If they'd had that little scene between James Norrington and Davy Jones and re-established that friendship between them, Davy Jones offering him a position on his crew when he was dying would also have made a bit more sense. Made, would it? have made a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah, if they'd have showed us a few of the scenes where they have conversations. And his death scene, I'm sorry, but it reinforced my my steadfast belief that he deserved so much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's thinking with his dick again. He's always chasing Elizabeth. <laughs> He's thinking with his dick. You're too good for her. Yeah. That's the thing. Even right at the end, he gives in. If he'd have, if, if he'd have been smart, he would have gone with her. Well, yeah, why didn't he, he just go smart, with her? He would have just gone with her. Yeah. And just said to, um, you know, brain-addled Bill, bootstrap Bill. I mean, one thing is for sure, he doesn't know how to play it cool. No, he... Because I'd have been like, you know, good evening to you, sailor. Weather's does, nice tonight. He does not have a chill bone in yeah. his body, does he? No, he's not. He's like... I'm just I'm just using these crew members. They are they're going over to their ship to uh to man the to get some to, intel to, for to, me to man the left phalanges for yeah. me. <laughs> yes, we're just carrying out routine maintenance here under my supervision. Don't worry. There's already four machines on the other side waiting for them, expecting them, making sure they do no no harm. Don't worry. It's all under control, sailor. Back to your position. I am Commodore, after all. Back to your post. I've come to get my William. Have you Have you seen my William? Yes, yeah. These these people are just going to get him for you. Okay, that's nice. That's okay. it. So tell me about William tell Bootstrap. Me about William. Don't worry, Elizabeth. I've just brought us 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, so did you say William did Bootstrap? William, William you... is your son, is he? Yeah. Yes, my William. Do you know he stole my bride from me? <laughs> so no, William would never do that. Well, let me tell you. So that. why do they call you Bootstrap? <laughs> Go on, don't. Tell, I bet it's a funny story, isn't it? Oh, I'd love to hear it. Go on, tell me. <laughs> do you remember drowning? Yeah. <laughs> tell me a bit more tell, about Tell me that. about it. Yeah. What was it like being a skeleton? So shall we move on to the Quaskers? It's time. 
In film, um, Norrington. Norrington no, for best in. No, no, definitely Norrington not. Norrington for best in film. God, best best in film. I I just quite like Jonathan Price because I think whenever he's on screen, he's a commanding presence. He's probably a best. He's best supporting. He's best supporting for me, Jonathan Price. Okay, let's do let's do best supporting first. And so your best supporting is Jonathan Price. Yes. Yes. I really really liked uh, the actress who played Tia Dalmer. In yeah. This film. I mean, what is, I've never seen her before or or again. I have seen her. I think essentially out of her Tia Dolma uh, makeup and costume, she is essentially unrecognisable. Oh, right. um, I have seen her in quite a few things. She was a, she was in a fantastic adaptation of Small Island a few years ago, oh, and she okay. was uh, brilliant in that. Right. What's Small Island, by the way? It's a uh, an Andrea Levy book about uh, Jamaican um, immigrants coming to uh, Britain um, uh, and setting up lives in 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 Britain and and as about like the Jamaican experience of the Second World War, for example, and right. what post-war Britain looked like to new Jamaican immigrants. So it's a very very good book. Right. I remember studying it for A level, and uh, I did like it. Sort of mostly the, ad- the adaptation <laughs> the adaptation was better it's like the fact is i know you study the lit we, we all study the literary classics at school but that seems to be the the summing experience of most people doesn't it it's a good book sort of it's all right bit, <laughs> bit sad they're all, they bit, always seem to have these really sad. really dark <laughs> sad undertones to them even though they're really compelling books yeah i think the, the worst one for that one is um uh, wuthering heights yeah I mean, To Kill a Mockingbird was no picnic either. Naomi Harris is the actress's name. Right. And okay. I, th- I think she she didn't have much to work with in terms of the script, but I thought her present, I think I think quite late on in the game, I think they, they decided that Tia Dalma was going to be Calypso. But she just completely owned that. She that was cool. Role. Yeah. It was a good performance, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that her little scene that she had with Davy Jones, I thought she went toe to toe with Bill Nye like an absolute pro. And I loved that that yes. little scene that they have, that little confrontation they have. But I thought in fact it was more impressive. She was almost more powerful to me with just the the alluding to what she could do mm. with the the suggestion of the power. Yeah. And the way they handled it in that regard because yeah. then when she turned into a giant Mrs. Fish Oh, and then collapsed into crabs. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, okay. It could have been more interesting to have her as some kind of like lightning imbuing Poseidon type figure. I feel like that's been done though. I think, and I think but so. But giant Mrs. Fish. She was just kind of a giant. A bit, a bit giant Mrs. Fish though. And you don't even know what she's saying when she starts like screaming at them. No. Uh, but God, is, is that t- that scene terrifying? It, 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 yes, it was actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. I think she, 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 she was so awe-inspiringly terrifying. Um, she, I think she's going to be my best supporting. Excellent. So best in film then. Best in Main film. Main cast, best I, in film. My best in film I'm going to give to Kira Knightley. I think she really I think she was disappointed with her performance in the last film, so she really put her whole pussy into this performance. <laughs> put your pussy into <laughs> put, it. Put your pussy into it, lass. <laughs> oh my God Come on. Sake. 
<laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, fucking pussies into it. I especially liked her little uh, her little sort of Braveheart speech that she gives in the at the end of the film. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was a bit weak, to be honest. Oh, really? I feel like they could have done with a better freedom speech for piracy. Because at the end of the day, what do pirates have to be proud about? Uh, f- um, yeah, exactly. Um, Honour amongst thieves. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like, well, I can drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm not, not really a free man because I'm, I'm bound to the captain's I'm will. I'm not part of the navy. Yeah, I guess. I'm carving my own path. I'm going my own way. I'm being my own man. Sort of. But if I wanted off this boat right now, it would take me several months to get off it. Yeah. And I probably have syphilis. Yeah. And I haven't (laughs) eaten anything resembling high vitamin C in months. Red fruit or vegetables for a long time. Yeah, It's like Gollum. We forgot the taste of veggies. I got shiny. (laughs) (laughs) We even forgot what sleeping on flat surfaces is like. What is it like to not be seasick? We can't remember. I wonder if when you get back to... Because I obviously... Modern sailors will be able to say this as well. We'll be able to um, uh, comment on this. I wonder they, what it's you... like after long periods of time standing on I solid th- ground. I, I think I've seen this. I think a lot of sailors, for about a couple of hours or so, they really struggle to um, they sway. adapt they, to... They still sway with the motion. Yeah. It's yeah. weird, isn't it? Though? I know. I know. No, she was definitely my best in film, I think. she Her, her character really improved. I think her performance had also really matured by that that by that point in time yeah and i think she she just lent so well into that character and she just completely owned it so then going on from that it's kind of a shame that she's not in the fourth or fifth installments that much yeah because she 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 hit her prime she hit her zenith in this and then that was it she was done that's her character the trilogy will never be the same again we can consider this like the og trilogy like the the original skywalker trilogy (laughs) the other ones just don't count no they just don't count anymore (laughs) maybe they'll have some pirates of the caribbean uh tv show so they can wreck on those awful films that came afterwards like they've done with star wars (laughs) oh god yeah who's your best in film my best in film is tom hollander because I want to give a shout out to maybe the unobvious people. I think he played an interesting villain Mm. in a sense that he played it almost slightly camp, but there was something menacing about his slightly camp. Yes, I like that. There's an air of intelligence there and and a a sort of obvious seething rage bubbling underneath. (laughs) Seething rage. (laughs) Do you know, I still actually, I watched that scene of uh, Cutler Beckett's death and I still think that's one of the coolest death scenes I've it ever seen. It absolutely is. Uh, and that, that's the final cherry on top of the cake, I think, with the needless gore in these films. I don't think you really recognise it when you see it the first time. On the first watch around, you can see the cannonball slowly destroying the banister of the ship behind yeah, him. And, and, that, like, and that absolute kind of spraying chaos yeah. and going then on like, around him. There's a fireball... And then a, a headless body hitting the East India Trading Company flag at the end. Oh, God. And that's him. That's, that's obviously meant, meant to, to be that's him. Cut the and, so, and the cannon's taking his head off. Because on the rewatch, I was like, this time I'm going to see if I, if, 
is is there a head anywhere? And there's also a, a floating head next to it with a tricorn hat on. Oh so it's not just like they're alluding to a headless body. It's definitely a headless it's body because there's a, a floating head and a tricorn hat there. With a tricorn hat on. Yeah. But a very epic shot from just underneath the water of him landing on the flag. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've, they've certainly got their visual storytelling down to a T. Yeah, and it, it did look fantastic. But I still think in that final scene, if that ship, whatever it's called, the, da- the Dauntless or, mm. or the Endeavour, you know, the, the Goliath, the whatever Goliath it is, ship, the big, the the big massive ship, ship yeah. if they'd have managed, if they'd have loaded the guns, I reckon if they'd have done a broadside, either side, they'd have still managed to fend them off. Because it had... On on each side, more guns on one side than the total of both the ships. I reckon if they'd have got their act it's together... About loading, it's about loading speed, though, isn't it? And if you've yeah. got all of your crew above board and above deck, then you can't physically get them down there quick enough to no, blow it's the true, yeah. Jesus back, can you? But then what you should they, they should have said is just turn broadside so we're not a, so we're not as much as a target. Because if we manage to turn even slightly, they'll end up hitting themselves. Now that would have made sense, actually. You exactly. are right there, aren't Everyone, you? Everyone, right fucking now, whatever way the wind's going, hard support or starboard, and we'll make sure that they, they end up hitting themselves because that will stop, stop the broadside pretty damn fast because yeah. they're only about 50, 60 metres away from their own ship. Fire up! Fire up! I know. Oh, shit! <laughs> he just lost his cohesion. Yeah, yeah. I think he basically just panicked and fluffed it. There, snuffed it. <laughs> <laughs> Missed your chance. Missed your chance. Snuffed it. Well, yeah, it was, but it was a glo- It was a glorious death. It was a. <laughs> it, it was a noble death. Yeah. Um. Who is your worst in film? Oh. Um. You know what? By f- three films in, I'm kind of done with comic relief. To be honest. Oh no. So. <laughs> As oh, much as no. I love them, as much as I love Poppet and, Pop and Crook, <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love Poppet and Crook, Poppet and Crook, they're not bad or anything by any stretch. They weren't bad, but I could I could have done without it. I am think I think I'm going to say Bill Nye in this film. Yeah, Cause, cause it was a bit phoned in actually, wasn't yes, it? Yes, because he was phoned in, and I just felt his character was so impotent. And I think the the actual the absolute cherry on top of this for this one was me was when they had that fucking ridiculous shot of. Davy Jones stood in a bucket of water uh, on that yeah. spit of land. That didn't make sense, did it? No. Because if he can stand on a bucket of water on land, you'd think he'd have fashioned some type of... Water-filled wa- boot. Water shoe. So he yeah. can just suspend his feet in, in the water, in the shoe, and walk upon the land. Yep. <laughs> just so they could have that stupid confrontation or shot like they're, uh, like the, like they're in a Western film. Or yeah, something. it was cool, though. Some great... Uh, I hope that was a real location. I hope so, Probably too. like a Japanese atoll somewhere, just a tiny spit in the bluest of ocean. I hope the locker is somewhere real as well, like uh, like the Arizona uh, salt plains or something like that. And, yeah, apparently that was filmed on the salt flats. Oh, uh, that makes yeah, 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 that makes sense. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. That was a weirdly needless scene. Now, yeah, that was something that came directly out of a French art house film. <laughs> Desolation of the soul. Yeah, where, where Jack's just talking to himself. It's like it was just an entirely separate film about life in the locker. I don't know. It's like someone just dropped acid and was like, hey, let's write a scene for Pirates of the Caribbean. Exactly. It could have been a pre-release thing, a weird arty pre-release thing of just Jack in the locker. 
and it not really need to be in the. Do you know what film. I would have done if I was like going to troll people who want to like find the film and then release the whole film ahead of time? I would have purposefully just released that one scene with yeah. no background context, <laughs> no context or explanation of him just shooting the guy, shooting someone for a peanut, My peanut, My and then peanut. licking a rock. Yeah, it's, it's mag- <laughs> and also trying to solicit a goat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting close to his nice goat fella for some sexy goat time. <laughs> trying, to, trying to get to third base with a goat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even the goat's like, can't believe I have to put up with this shit. Like, oh my God, get away from me, Weinstein. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, that concludes our epic discussion of the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Yes. It's been a wild, tumultuous, wonderful ride. Don't ask us to review four or five because... Because no. They're just a pile of shit. Because no. Because nothing nothing can compel me to put those films on. I think I saw Salazar's Revenge or whatever it was called. That was a terrible thought, one, Salazar's uh, Revenge. No, I don't think I will. Not again. No. Even though I'm a big f- I'm a big fan of the actor who Salazar, uh, the Spanish guy, ha- is it Javier Barden? Javier Barden, yeah. I'm a big fan of Javier Barden. I think he's a great actor, but it was just dog shit. It's, they're, they're all dog shit by that point on because your natural progressional tri-film arc has ended so really what else can you fucking do that's it yeah it's like they've told the story they needed to tell and anything else is basically a bonus track just a a hidden bonus track that you get if you play it backwards yeah (laughs) and it's it's, and it's boring and is unnecessary and you don't need that it basically it's like buying the deluxe version of the album you don't need it. You don't really want the full to, experience is there if you just go and buy the standard <laughs> release. Just so, just go and buy the standard release. Everyone, forget the others are there. Well, that concludes our romp into our pirate, pi- our piratey world and our pirate nation. Yeah. Next episode, we move on to uh, more modern things. Yeah. Yeah. In our next episode, we will be delving into the modern adaptation of Dune. So I hope I hope you like screamy vocals. Screamy vocals. Yeah! And sh- <laughs> that sounds like a cat. <laughs> and convoluted sci-fi plots. If if the reason the modern world hates sci-fi, it can be blamed on Dune. It's basically Dune's fault. It's yeah. Dune's fault. It's ruined it for everyone. They are the OG convoluted, terrible, drawn-out sci-fi mega space opera. Indeed. It's the original one. And we will be discussing all of this next episode. So tune in to Squabblings next time. Don't forget to give us a like on Facebook, Instagram and SoundCloud. If you want us to uh, tear the shit out of Zendaya. (laughs) And her ever perpetual perfume advert. Her perfume advert. (laughs) Her perfume advert called June. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Bye.